Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Alhamdulillah, since last Ramadan, over 4 million people have benefited from, listened to, and downloaded the Qalam Podcast. Tens of thousands of people have benefited from and learned from the various classes, intensives, and seminars that Qalam provides. And inshallah, this Ramadan will be providing even more beneficial content, lectures, and programming for people all around the world, free of any cost or charge to them. In order for us to keep doing this work, we need your support, we need your help, we need you to be our partners in this Sadaqah Jariyah. Please go to supportqalam.com. That's support, Q-A-L-A-M, supportqalam.com, and provide your most generous support. Millions of people all around the world are insha'Allah, bi'idnillah, going to benefit from all of this work, and this will be your sadaqah jariyah for the eternal life of the hereafter. We really appreciate having you as part of the Qalam team and supporting us in this work, this mission, this cause. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhin astafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rasuli wa khatam al-anbiya. Wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. The skeptics of hadith, the non-Muslim team of orientalists, have commonly had an issue with a particular narrator of hadith, whose name is Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. He was a prominent scholar of the deen and a man of great knowledge, a student of Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib. Sa'id al-Musayyib was so proud of him. And for reference, Sa'id is referred to by Muslim scholars as Sayyid al-Tabi'een. That in the generation of people that followed the Sahaba, the leader of that whole generation was this Sa'id rahimahullah. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was actually his student. Sa'id said regarding his student, that whoever dies and leaves behind a student like you in reality has not died. Because his life will continue. His legacy will continue. Imagine the pride that this teacher had in his student. Imam al-Zuhri rahimahullah ta'ala is attributed to be one of the first people to document hadith. The truth is the documentation of hadith existed from the time of Rasulullah sallallahu the companions would write hadith. It is known regarding Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Asr that he was a writer of hadith. And another sahabi would say, That Abdullah ibn Amr had a lot of narrations because he used to write while I did not write. However, when we say Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was one of the first people to document hadith, this actually means he was the first person to document hadith on behalf of the Muslim government. You know how there was an official compilation of the Qur'an that happened during the lead of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anh, and then happened again during the, during the time of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anh. When it came to the documentation of hadith, 
Omar bin Abdul Aziz commissioned Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri to collect hadith. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was very close to the Umayyads. He also served as a soldier in the army, but was very knowledgeable and was a master of the science of hadith. And Omar bin Abdul Aziz, who was this giant himself, a khalifa, he gave this responsibility to Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri that I want you to go and document hadith. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was a very intelligent man. For the team of Orientalists that are against Muslims and Islam, their whole thing is that if we discredit this one person, the tradition of Islam will begin to crack and fall apart. But what they fail to understand is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not put the burden of preservation of this deen on the shoulders of any one human being. The whole ummah was involved. Everyone was involved and scholars from the different corners of the world like today at that time were doing their thing in, 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 in contributing to the preservation of this deen. While we discuss the story of Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, today I wanted to spend a little time to reflect on his intelligence and his brilliance. Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was known to be one that there was no second to when it came to his preservation of hadith. This is actually due to a few factors. Imam Dhabi rahimahullah ta'ala says regarding وَمِنْ حِفْظِ الزُّهْرِ أَنَّهُ حَفِظَ الْقُرْآنَ فِي ثَمَانِينَ لَيْلَةً The brilliance of this man, Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, can be seen in the fact that he memorized the Qur'an in less than three months, in 80 nights. His friends and students say that Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri مَا طَلَبَ إِعَادَةَ حَدِيثٍ لِأَنَّهُ كَانَ يَحْفُظُ مِنْ أَوَّلِ مَرَّةٍ that he never asked anyone to repeat a hadith to him. If he heard it once, that was it. He now knew this hadith. Illa hadithan wahidan. But there was one case where we saw him ask a person to repeat a narration. He was unsure. قَالَ وَمَا شَكَكْتُ فِي حَدِيثٍ إِلَّا حَدِيثًا وَاحِدًا فَسَأَلْتُ صَاحِبِي فَإِذَا هُوَ كَمَا He asked another person, can you repeat that narration? I'm a little unsure about it. And when that person repeated it, it matched just that he had memorized. Even at that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had preserved this man's intelligence. And if you're wondering, this sounds off, it's actually not. There are many examples in Islamic history specifically of people and scholars, and even more specifically, scholars of hadith, who had this brilliance when it came to their intelligence. It is said regarding Imam Bukhari, that when he would sit in the dars of his teacher, he would not write anything. His classmates took offense to this and they said that everyone's writing, why aren't you writing? And he said to them, why don't you pull up your books for the durus of the last week? And when they pulled out their notebooks, he read all the narrations by heart in order. And the students then at that point backed off of him because they knew this man was truly gifted. The same is said regarding Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i who had this intelligence. Imam Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. They say the man memorized the Quran in a week he just bulldozed right through it, right? From recent times, from the subcontinent, Alama Anwar Shah Kashmiri, rahimahullah ta'ala. In Urdu, he was referred to in the subcontinent as Chalta Pirta Kutubkhana. Kind of like a, 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 a library, uh, a walking, talking, digital library. Like he was a hard drive. And at that time, that was unknown. When they had when there was the debates that occurred in the British courts regarding whether the Qadianis were Muslims or not, 
there's a group in the subcontinent called the Qadianis. They have some deviant beliefs. So they claim they were Muslims. And the Muslims said, you guys are not Muslim. You believe in a prophet after the prophet Muhammad. That's it. That's out of Islam. They said, well, the, the belief that there can't be a prophet after the prophet Muhammad does not take someone out of Islam. The Muslims in the subcontinent said, yes, it does. And this had political implication because the country was being divided and there was a part of the country that would be given to Muslims. So the question is, will these people be a part of that inheritance of this new land, this new nation that's being built? So there were these lengthy, lengthy court cases that went on. Some people, they came to the Muslim scholars in Deoband and they said that during the court cases, these guys, they fabricate narrations. It's really hard for us to know whether they're lying or telling the truth. So the ulama of Hind, after a shura said, Allama Anwashah Kashmiri will be taken to every court case hearing to be a reference point. His job will be to sit there and just listen to all the ibarat that are referenced and catch the inconsistencies. And that's exactly what he did. He sat in the court cases in the corner on a chair and any time they said something, even if they skipped a line of the ibarat, of the text that was being referenced, if they misread an, a, a harakah, he immediately made a point right away. There's a mistake here. There's a mistake here. They skipped this. And the, and the judge, who was not a Muslim, actually had it rechecked and saw that this person's corrections were correct. This just shows us how they were people of intelligence. And Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, if you're wondering why am I arguing this so much, it's so that we can appreciate and celebrate our history. And the truth is, like all blessings in life, the brilliance of these giants was actually a gift from Allah. It was a gift from Allah, first and foremost to them, and then secondly to all of us. Through their brilliance, our tradition was preserved. The second thing regarding Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, Abdurrahman bin Abi Zinad narrates from his father, Kuntu atufu ana wa Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri wa ma'a Ibn Shihab al-Wah wa suhuf The second thing that made his knowledge so profound and deep was that Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, even though he was very intelligent, he did not rely purely on memory. Ma'ahu al-Wah wa suhuf He would write. He was very keen on preserving that knowledge. So no one can ever question that whether the narrations he had compiled were authentic or not. And he was not limited. The students would write a particular subject, he would write it all down. The third thing is, he was very keen on having conversations, mudarasa, mudakara. He liked to have conversations with his fellow friends and mates and family members about knowledge. And this is how you preserve ilm, by through mudakara. That you learn something, you go back home, you share it with your wife, she shares it back with you, you guys talk about it, and now that discussion is preserved. One of the, um, one of the students, he narrates, أَنْ يَعْقُوبَ بْنَ عَبْدَ الرَّحْمَانَ أَنَّ الزُّهْرِيَ كَانَ يَكْتُبُ الْعِلْمَ عَنْ عُرْوَى وَغَيْرِهِ That Imam Zuhri would narrate from his teachers. فَيَأْتِي جَارِيَةً لَهُ نَائِمًا When he would come back home, there was no one to talk to because everyone was sleeping. He had a servant, he would wake the servant up. فَيُقِضُهَا فَيَقُولُ لَهَا حَدَّثْنِي فُلَانْ وَفُلَانْ بِكَذَا فَتَقُولُ مَالِي وَلِهَذَا He would say to his servant, you know, so-and-so narrated this to me, so-and-so narrated that to me. So the servant said, buddy, what are you talking about? I'm trying to get some Z's in here, and you're just talking about like, this person narrated from that, I don't care about this stuff. I just want to go back to sleep and enjoy myself. فَتَقُولُ I know you're not interested. But 
right? He said, I just learned it right now, and I wanted to re review it with someone, so I woke you up. And many of us may be familiar with this concept at home where your spouse comes and wakes you up, and you're sleeping. You know, like, what's going on? Oh, I got to tell you about my day. Can't you tell me tomorrow? But you're so excited in that moment because of the subject is so important to you that you want to have that conversation. Um, the fourth thing regarding Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, um, Malik narrates from Imam Malik. He narrates from al-Zuhri. He studied from, he benefited from Zuhri. Allah, Imam Zuhri says, I, uh, uh, I benefited from Sa'id ibn Musayyib when it came to hadith non-stop. Like there was a point where he says, for three days straight we did daras of hadith. Three days straight, he says. Just non-stop. We just kept going at it. No breaks. We just kept going. Ma'mar narrates, he heard Zuhri say, Masat rukbati, rukbata Sa'id al-Musayyib, That I sat in front of Ibn al-Musayyib, who I told you was this top tabi'i, for eight years. And this is a part of seeking knowledge in our community that's gone. You know, when I see people, let me just be a little bit of, give you a little honesty and a little bit of a rant, so pardon me. When I see people doing masjid hopping, praying one salah here, one salah there, in my heart, honestly, I feel like telling them, you need to grow out of this. You need to grow out of this. This is not a buffet. The deen is not, let's pray one salah here, one salah there. I'm not saying it's haram, by the way. You do what you need to do. If it's a matter of convenience and it works for you, go ahead. The correct way in our deen is to commit yourself to a place and find faida there. When you start something, see it through till the end. There is tarbiyah there. There's discipline there. That you start in a place and you finish it through. This mulazama of ulama, of a'imma, is gone out the window. When in reality, historically, this was a thing. That people found teachers and they stuck with those teachers. In over eight years, over ten years, you didn't walk away with a lot of a little, you walked away with a lot. Because you weren't just learning content. Go to, go to, go to another hundred masajid if you want throughout this year. You will learn a little bit everywhere. But if you stick with the same teachers, the same imams, people who you trust, over five years, your personality will change. Because now you're taking from that person. You're not just taking from their knowledge. And here you have Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, who we consider to be the crown gem of hadith, one of the top scholars. He is saying, I sat with Ibn Musayyib. For how many years? Eight years. Eight years he sat with him. Um, the fifth thing, Tawqeeru Ahl al-Ilm, he had a lot of respect for his teachers. Ma'amar narrates from Zuhri again. In kuntu la'ati baba urwa, I would come to the door of my teacher, Urwa bin Zubair. Fa'ajlis, and I would sit there. Thumma ansarif, and if he didn't come out, I would just leave. I wouldn't even knock on the door. Wala adkhul. Walaw shaa nadkhul, ladakhaltu i'zaman lahu. But if he gave me permission, or if he saw me there, then I would enter. I wouldn't even knock on his door because I didn't want to inconvenience him. And I know that to some of us that may sound inefficient, ineffective, but that's not the point. The point is that he had so much adab and ihtiram for his teacher that he was willing to miss an opportunity out of ihtiram, knowing that that ihtiram, that respect for his teacher, would then deliver another opportunity because that's his trust in Allah. And that second opportunity would hold more barakah and more meaning than a hundred different opportunities that were based off of su'ul adab, bad character. And the last thing, um, Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri was very particular about his diet as well. This is something he is really punctual about. Ismail al-Makki says, قَالَ سَمِعْتُ الزُّهْرِ يَقُولُ مَنْ سَرَّهُ أَنْ يَحْفَظَ الْحَدِيثِ فَلْيَأْكُلِ الزَّبِيبِ 
right? Whoever wants to, um, whoever wants to memorize, he should eat some grapes, some uh, raisins. And then similarly, uh, he would say um, to eat some honey. That was another thing that he was really big on. Similarly, he had these things um, that he would enjoy eating because he felt that he, based off his understanding, these things were more beneficial for memorizing, and there were foods that he would avoid eating. That was his preference, that he would avoid eating this because he felt that it would impact his memory. So these were great scholars. Today we spent uh, some time in the life of Ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevate him and accept from him. His sacrifices and his hard work, we are reaping the benefits till today. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to learn from their example and follow their footsteps. وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا محمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته